I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. folks welcome back to another episode of ginger and dutch here on the ginger and dutch podcast and when i say jam-packed folks this episode is jam-packed we're not even gonna have a break we got a special guest coming on it's a good thing because i'm freezing in this garage today man welcome to canada it's getting chilly getting cold we've got snow on the ground and uh let's get into it we're gonna start as we do here in season two of every episode with rapid fire, we got four topics to bring up. A couple are going to be real rapid. That's it. <laughs> Start off with last night's debacle, beat down college football. Dutch? National championship. 52-24, to 24, garbage. I told you last week it was broken. All I got out of that game was that Devonta Smith is the real deal. He's pro-ready. He had 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and that was at half before he got hurt. Listen. I told you it before it's broken. In the last 15 years, Bama's won the championship six times. They've been in it eight. Then you can talk about a Florida, a LSU, and a Clemson. They've all won it twice. Enough said. Enough said. It sucks. It's garbage. Fix it. Yeah, but it's no different than the NBA. The NBA, what is it, 15 or 12 teams have won the championship in the last 50 years. Okay, yeah, but there's more. There's different teams in the playoffs, at least. At least there's a little bit of parity, and, and that's what the NCAA's got to get into, a little bit of parity. We've talked about it. It, it. I turned it off. I told you, I turned it off. It, after it's just It was just not worth watching. Yeah, it, it, it did look unfair, I, and I can't argue with you. Um, just showed you. To me, it looked like a team at a professional level. And a team at a non-professional level right. is what it looked and like. And it's always going to be this way until they change it, until they re- change the recruiting. It sucks. Anyways, let's move on. Major League Baseball. Uh, lots going on. A massive trade. Talk to me. We're still alive in baseball. We are still actually happening here. Baseball is getting itself ready. Blockbuster trade. Uh, Lindor and Carrasco going to the Mets in return for a bunch of different prospects. Um, I like the move. I like the move by the Mets. It's baseball, though, isn't it? What I find with baseball is teams are either all in or they're they're tanking. There's 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 to me in baseball, there's not even such thing as a rebuild anymore. There's, nobody wants to be um, an eighty game winner or on the fringe anymore. You're either all in and you're going in with everybody, or you're gonna totally strip it down and rebuild it. Hey, Lindor's a great great player. Just another just another guy that the Blue Jays just claim that they were interested in yeah and i, I think I, the blue jays are getting a bit of a bad rap on that though they, it's the media that's trying to pipe all these things up from the mayhew to lindor to all these yeah all these now things. you got chris bryant in the mix too yeah, but chris, but let's face it you nobody wants to play in toronto sorry and especially right now ginge covid going on everything all this stuff going on keep going on it though but that's yeah i just toronto just i don't know I think the Mets. I think the Mets were were smart in making this move. Listen, two-time Gold Glover, average two eighty hitter, seventy-five to ninety ribbies from an infielder, middle infielder, pretty solid. And now you're going to pair him up with the likes of McCann and Alonso, and then the pitching staff. Listen, you've got Degrom, you've got Stroman. Now you add Carrasco as oh, a veteran, a veteran third pitcher. Yeah, no doubt, your bullpen's great already with Familia Diaz, uh, May. So the Mets, I think they're, they're going to be the team to worry about in New York this year. I got a good feeling about those New York Mets. I like the trade. Yep, I do too. Houston Astros, <laughs> once a cheater, always a cheater, no? Yeah, but come on, who cares? Let's move on, man. This is this is old. Like, I mean, so they're doctoring the balls now. We're getting into everything else. Like, what else is, what's next? It's the New England Patriots of baseball, though, sure, isn't it? Sure, They just keep piling stuff on, right? Yep. First we had Deflategate, and then we had taping the, the practice. Or You know, I may not have those in order, listeners. I think it was more like taping the practice, then, you know, uh, Deflategate, then sending the spies on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's what it feels like. Yeah. We're just piling on here. Yeah. Everybody's doctoring the balls up. We've been doing it since 1940 with you the still spitball. See, yeah, you still see pine tar on the hats, man. Yeah. It's it, still happening. Just like chewing tobacco ain't allowed. One of our listeners, they tripped me at that when I mentioned uh, chewing tobacco. Oh, yeah. You don't think these guys are doing that on the on the down low in the dugout? Come oh, on. for sure, for sure. But 
one serious topic in baseball, Tommy Lasorda, the passing of Tommy Lasorda, 20 years with the Dodgers, great coach. Hey, 93 years old, man, that's a hell of a life. Uh, he was there at the last World Series there uh, just during COVID, and he was there at the game. Um, was an awesome man, did a ton for baseball, and uh, he's a legend for coaching. So, uh, you know what, obviously he's going to be missed, but uh, for, you know, to, to have that long of a, of a career and to have that long of a life, uh, you know, kudos to him, and uh, he's going to be missed for sure. Yeah, do you think Tommy t- creeps into the top 10 in uh, in? coaches all-time in baseball i think he should i think he should already be there yeah the two world series four pennants over 500 record in the postseason um some crazy numbers like he was almost nine nine times in 20 years with the dodgers he had almost 90 plus wins he had an 88 in there and an 89 in there and then he had seven full out years of 90 plus amazing um incredible for tommy lasorda he'll be missed in the world of baseball world juniors I got a bone to pick with you here. I don't like the word that you used when uh, when our beloved Canadian kids lost to uh, to the U.S. Okay, well, listen. Let me. You know what? Um, when we bring our special guests on today, I know we're going to talk about some prospects. So that might be the only thing interesting about the game is to hear what uh, what Mark Osborne's got to say about this. But I just thought the game was boring. Um, I thought Canada. I know you're disagreeing a little bit, but I thought Canada was outplayed for the majority of the game. And you, you know the, the U.S. deserves full credit for their 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 marks. Listen, if that goal doesn't go in, you don't know what's going to happen. But at the time they were being outplayed, it was a beautiful tip-in goal that changed the the game. Canada didn't know how to play from behind. They didn't know how to play in their own end, and they couldn't put the puck anywhere near. Like they didn't have a lot of good scoring chances. USA deserve full 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 marks, full credit. Listen, I, th- I, th- I saw it more as some puck luck. It, you, you know, you got the tip-in. The tip-in was a, was a great goal. But the goal at the start of the second period, that's just luck. Sure it is. But that's you still got it, it, it hits the back of the net, pops up, he grabs it. and That was as right? lucky as it can be. Zegers grabs it and makes a nice, he, you know, silky mitts to, to get that in and tuck it up top there. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice goal. But I just don't think they were outclassed or, or outplayed. I think Canada started gripping the sticks a little bit tight. And they just couldn't uh, get the one. I think if one would have went in, correct. I think it might have been a different night. And I think the word is that it's not that they were outclassed, right? It's it's just they they were outplayed for for periods. If stretches you stretches of the game, stretches yes. of the game, they didn't catch a break, and they really didn't have that many good chances. And you still have to give credit. Listen, goalie stood on his head at times, but for the most part, like I said, uh, you know, full marks, Team USA. Let's move on. PGA Tour, we're yeah. back. We're back. We missed one week, and our listeners were all over us, chirping us. Hey, yeah. what's going on? We did that on purpose. We did that on purpose. We wanted to see how it goes. It's always fun over in that uh, the the tournament of champions. You know, it's a fun course to watch if you like watching birdies and eagles. I mean, you know, they just bomb the ball over there. Um, and it was nice to see Harris English. Uh, you know, what he stayed hot. He he he, he stole the QB shootout. I shouldn't say stole the QB shootout, but him and Kucher laid a, a smackdown. Yep. Um, at the QB shootout and. Uh, comes off a nice uh you know playoff win against Joachim Neum. Yep, and now we're moving on to the Sony Open. A classic tour event here on the PGA Tour. Been around for years. Um fun golf course. Um it'll be interesting. Let's make our uh, let's get back into it. Let's yeah, because they didn't yeah, here. because they did, there's it's not crazy crazy big field, but uh, yeah, let's get back in. So, you know, for our listeners uh, we make three picks. Uh, we've agreed that uh, officially our third pick is going to be a dark horse. So this means I can't take Tiger, right, as a dark horse? <laughs> you cannot take Tiger Woods as a dark horse okay. anymore. So we're going to take. We're each going to pick three. Uh, we were very, very successful last year. We had a bunch of winners, a bunch of top fives, um, lots of uh, units, shekels, whatever you want to say. So, so I hope you're all paying attention. Um, I will defer to you, Mr. Jinja. There we go. So let's start it off. We're going to start off with our dark horse of the uh, of the year. This fellow Scotsman played well at this event over the last few years. Uh, 2018, he was T10. Then he's in uh, T43 and T32. This sounds way too familiar. But no, no, he's not. He's not my dark horse. I've I've switched it up. Okay. But we're going to go with Russell Knox as the dark horse this gotcha. week at the Sony Open. My rock steady pick of the week. And I know you have him on there. We did both of our prep work here separately, and we both came to the conclusion that this guy's going to be up here this week. That's the Aussie. 
2018, he was T47. 2019, he was tied for third. And I believe in the top 30 again in uh, last year, tied 24th or 28th or something. And that is Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman right there. I like it. I have him as my dark horse. So uh, it's fair that he's dark horse because he is 60 to 1. So I won't talk too much about it. But I do have Leish as my dark horse. I originally had him as the dark horse. Yeah. Um, and then as I started to look at the field and found Knox with some solid uh, finishes, starting to play well. Um, and Leishman, by the way, T24 last week, so a solid finish for him there. Yeah. I moved uh, Leishman up to my rock steady pick of the week and okay. knocks down to my dark horse. Okay. My big gun, not a huge big gun, but you know what? 2019, he was T16 in this event. 2020 last year, he was T12. So he's trending in the right direction, um, knows how to play in the wind, can putt the ball, and that's Mr. Brent Snedeker, Brad Snedeker, as my big gun of the week. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to go with a big gun, and it, it is a big gun. He had a uh, he had a, a crazy wild season, including winning uh, one of the majors, and that's Colin Morikawa. He had a, a good finish um, this past week. Uh, you know, he finished T7, and I really just do like him in this spot. I don't think the field is overly challenging, and I I, I like him as my my lock uh, pick, top three of the week here. Um, my rock steady in the middle. Um, I'm going to go with Abram Anser. Uh, I used him last year. Um, you know, he's yet to have a good finish here. You know, he's had four tries. He hasn't really done well, but he putted really well last week, um, this past week in Hawaii, and that's the first time that he had uh, he had debuted at that event. So I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be there, and that's what I got. There you go. Make sure you lock it in, listeners. Take a look at some of those odds. Put a few units down. Don't be afraid. Uh, we're co always confident here in our golf picks. So I know you're you're passing one more week here on this. Yes, passing one more week. It's okay. I'll let you off the hook yeah, I've here. Yeah, studying Steph Curry. Steph Curry as the greatest all-time shooter. I'm gonna give you one more week to think. Yeah, about Yeah, I've it. been studying and I got some notes here, but I'm just not quite ready to give you my my final answer, um, especially. Um, if I find out which way you're leaning, I might want to argue against it. But no, no, no. With all the respect, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out because, because there's a lots, lots out there. So stay tuned. I promise I'm going to give you my answer next week. All right, let's flip over and now the rapid fire is done. That completes our rapid fire for this week's episode, folks. Make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned. We've got a big upcoming announcement with some live shows on Twitter and some of these social media platforms. So. Uh, Stick with us. You may get to see our ugly mugs live uh, every Monday or Tuesday night, whatever we decide to uh I think our viewership record. might go down a little bit. But, but <laughs> anyways, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, we got the NHL coming up. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It um, starts. Yep. So when we air, it'll be, uh, it'll be uh, hours away from, uh, from what's happening. Listen, everybody knows now it's 56 games. It's a jam-packed, and it's a little bit of an accelerated schedule. What, what is there not to like? You got the All Canadian Division, and and when I broke it down, this means that that these guys are playing four of their their seven teams in the division. They're playing them nine times, and Toronto gets to play Montreal and Winnipeg ten times. It's going to be absolutely crazy. There's tons of back to backs. Also, kind of old school ECHL style, like you know, there's going to be times where they're going to play three games in four nights against the same team. There's going to be bloodbaths everywhere, don't you think? Can we just watch Calgary and Edmonton play? Everything? Calgary and Edmonton. I put it right on here. Calgary and Edmonton. It's going to be fun. <laughs> well, you know, this is why the Leafs. This is why the Leafs brought in. And I know, you know, I know he's not a fighter, but but you know, you you got you got Thornton, which we're going to talk to Osborne about. You got Thornton. You got uh, Simmons. Uh, you got Brody coming in. I think they've bulked up on some toughness because they know that this is going to. And you know, Big Bad Joe's not going to take any shit, especially if he's on the top line, which is where they've got him right now. I think it's going to be unbelievable. I'm excited. I'm excited to break this down too. Yeah, and that, so let's get into it. Let's start with that. Let's start with that division. Sure. Change it up. I know we were going to start with the West. Yeah, let's start. Yeah. Let's start with the North here: uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Uh, what do you like? Who do you like? What don't you like? Well, there's tons, tons of talent in there, and uh, they, they, a lot of teams have improved. But I, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going to be a homer on this one, and you know, I'm not a big. I'm, I don't ever sell out on Toronto, but. I just think that this might be that season, uh, a shortened season. I just think that Toronto and I, I think Edmonton's going to be there. I know they crapped the bed last uh, year in COVID Edmonton because we had them running or I had them running to the cup. But I got Toronto and Edmonton coming out of that 1-2 uh, in, the, in the division uh, with Vancouver and Winnipeg 
kind of right behind there. I, I think uh, Calgary's going to take a step back, and uh, I'm just not sold on this this Montreal fever. I'm sorry, Carey High Price hasn't shown me much yet. In the last couple of years, he just hasn't been the the best goalie in the in the world that everybody thinks he is. I think you're absolutely insane. All I right. think you're I think you're absolutely insane. Okay, on one point, Edmonton, I agree with you. There's just too much skill there. They've got uh, the best or the second best player in the world right now in McDavid. But there's just too much good talent. Hey, we talked about this uh, on the podcast when we ended the playoffs last year. Hey, would you rather have Vancouver's young guns and that team or Toronto's? Right? We we did chat about that. Mm-hmm. Ottawa's a much better team. Montreal, okay, I'll give you Montreal. But you know what? Rough and rugged Calgary and Winnipeg, they're just going to beat down Toronto. And I keep coming back to the fact that this core is just not good enough. This core in Toronto is just not good enough. Uh, Okay, yeah. so who's your one-two? I got to go Edmonton, Vancouver as my one-two. Okay. In mm-hmm. the north. But I think it's going to be a highly competitive division. I think it's going to be real tight in that division. That's who I'm sticking with on that north side. All Let's right. switch over to the west. So uh, west is in an interesting interesting division, uh, Dutch. I find this division, when you look at it and you, and you get the teams down on paper, you're either all in or you're kind of rebuilding. Um, from by the looks of it to me, Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, L.A., Minnesota, San Jose, Vegas, and St. Louis. Some big, big guns in there. Listen, when you start to look at it, we know Anaheim's. Hey, they're they don't know what they're doing. They're old. They're they're young. They're they just they're at an impasse. Arizona, up and coming, good team. Colorado, we saw what Colorado can do last year. L.A., where well, we're going to get Ozzy on here in a minute. To uh, to help us break down with where they're at, but I keep coming back to the the th- the three teams, and I'm going to take Colorado. The two out of those three teams, I'm taking Colorado, and I'm taking Vegas. Yeah, that's exactly what I got. Colorado and Vegas. I think uh, you know, I think they are the the class of the division, and I don't know if Colorado. Everybody seems to have them on the top of their docket to win the cup this year. I just don't know if they can put it all together. Exactly. All right, to help us out with this uh, West Breakdown here, Dutch, uh, let's bring in our special guest for the day. Three-time original six team member playing for the Red Wings, playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, playing for the Winnipeg Jets, and, of course, those New York Rangers. Um, we got Mark Osborne on the line, LA King Scout. Mark, are you on the line with us? I'm here, yeah. Awesome, good stuff. Well, thanks for joining us, Mark. It's always good uh we see you golfing around the uh, the Ontario circuit from time to time, so it's good to get you on the podcast and, and talk a little hockey here as we're starting tomorrow. So, Yeah, it's great uh, great to be a part with you guys. And, uh, yeah, three original six teams. Um, I'm glad you didn't mention Montreal, although I know the Leafs are playing Montreal in their home opener. I, uh, I often had uh, bad dreams waking up that I was a Montreal Canadian. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, I got the three of them, and uh, it was a fun career. Awesome, yeah. It was... Uh, Definitely was looking at some of the stuff today, and and uh, pretty cool that you were, you know, two times with the Leafs and and all those teams. It's uh, something really nice to look back on. But we're going to kind of jump in here to uh, to this season and, and what's upcoming here, because you know you're you're knee deep in it, right with them. We're looking at that West Division, Mark, and and we see some of the powerhouse teams, Colorado and, and Vegas. What's the outlook for uh, for your LA Kings here? Is it you know are they had a little bit of an impasse with still having some veteran guys on there and having so much talent in the system, or are you guys confident uh, with where things are at and where things are heading? Oh no, I mean we're we're in a, in a good spot as far as where we're heading and where we think we're we'd like to head. Uh, I mean that decision was made a couple of years ago when we really did decide to try to dismantle uh, this team and. Um, Obviously, some of the assets that we had, I mean, Jake Muzzin, case in point, where we traded him here to the Maple Leafs, were able to uh, acquire a first-round pick and a couple of prospects. I mean, we did the same thing with Alex Martinez. You know, we sent him to Vegas for a second-round pick, Tyler Toffoli. And so those were the guys that were part of the core of of winning a couple of Stanley Cups uh, with the Kings, you know, a number of years ago. So... Um, we're a young team. Obviously, we still, uh, you know, kept Drew Doughty, and we've got Kopitar and Dustin Brown and Jonathan Quick and Jeff Carter. So, you know, there's enough of, of those type of guys that can supplement or augment our younger players. But, 
you know, we're still a couple of ways away from, uh, or a couple of years away from being, I think, uh, you know, in the mix as far as, um, you know, pushing for legitimacy and getting back to where this organization once was. Um, that's just the, you know, the direct result of how the NHL works today with, um, you know, free agency and, you know, you're, you're in a cap world and it's, yep. it's tough to win. And so we've had no choice that then to, uh, to try to rebuild within and, and, you know, those that have watched the world juniors, you know, that we've got, uh, you know, some good young prospects that are, that are going to come, um, that are part of our organization, but it's going to take a couple of years, I think, before we really start to try to knock on that door again. But Tom McClellan did a great job last year. I think we're a real competitive team. Uh, you know, we ended the season with seven wins in a row and, and there's a lot of, uh, renewed optimism within our group and uh, it's a season we don't know what will happen but we're looking forward to it no doubt yeah and, and, and you spoke about those prospects and, and with you being a scout and being involved with that process how um, was it nice to enjoy the future of your labor watching the world juniors and, and having nine prospects in there two from Canada one from Czech one from Finland you, you, you had it covered all over the world uh, three from the U.S. You know, was it nice to sit back and wa- did you have an opportunity to watch a little bit of the juniors and and say, say hey, these are some of the guys that uh, that we picked out for our squad? Oh, absolutely! It was a lot of fun to watch the World Juniors. I mean, I'm on the pro scouting side, so I've got a bit of the cushy job where I'm I'm just strictly at the NHL level, and we have a whole amateur department. But it's really good for us, and it was good for us to. I watched the World Juniors. Uh, those of us at the NHL level were assigned a uh, one of the uh, junior teams to uh, you know do a, an in-depth scouting report and watch all of their games. And so uh, we were really involved, and it was it was actually good for us. Uh, obviously, these kids uh, in our amateur department did a you know a real in-depth job over these you know the last couple of years in drafting these kids. I mean, no stone is uncovered. Um, the amount of work that they put into dissecting these guys, analyzing them, watching them. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. And so, yeah, obviously, when you would have watched uh, even the finals there when you had Turcotte for the Americans and Kaliev and um, Brock Faber on defense, those are three of our young kids that obviously won the gold medal. And then we've got Byfield, who was on Team Canada. And you mentioned some of the other you know countries that have some players. So... So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good for any organization that's in a rebuild. Um, it's a good sign when you have a, a number of prospects playing against their peers at the highest level. Um, they've got a ways to go. Like, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, Timmy Stutzel, who uh, went third overall, and, you know, he's in a real great place with Ottawa. He's probably the most, well, Lafreniere is number one. Yep. Um, those two kids are most NHL-ready. Um, and expect to see those guys play, uh, you know, coming this week. Do you, do you see an opportunity at all for for Quinton? Uh, you know, our local Newmarket boy here. Um, yep. Do you see an opportunity on that roster uh, in LA form, or do you, do you believe it might be still another year or two away before we we get to see uh, Quinton, uh, you know, really start to uh, take effect in LA? Yeah, I think what I think what you're going to see is you're going to see us be patient with him. I mean, you got to remember that uh, even though he went second overall, yep. I mean, he was a man in playing junior amongst boys. I mean, he's he's got the size, he's got the skating ability. Uh, there's a lot of upside, but for the second year in a row, he was the youngest player on Team Canada. So there's no sense to put somebody like him into our lineup. I mean, I, I would be, you know. It's not going to happen. I mean, unless, of course, you know, the unknowns of, I mean, the beauty of, of us with our American League team is that they practice in our same rink. So we've got everybody under one house. And who knows with COVID or injuries, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him an opportunity to play a game or two. But the best route for his development, this is long term for him. And that's long term for any of our young kids. It's, it's, it's not a short-term fix or solution. You you try to do what's best for them, learn to be a pro. I mean, it's a big jump. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real big jump, and some of them are going to need some years in the American Hockey League. So that's, uh, that's not to uh, besmirk them or put them down, but that's just the reality of, uh, you know, of life turning, 
turning pro and certainly becoming a, a real good NHL player. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, Mark, you got Dutch here. I, I wanted to talk uh, just briefly about uh, scouting and you know how much has you know everything that's going on in the world with COVID. How much has it changed? It? Can you give us uh, our listeners a little bit of a detail? And you know, is the how does the process work exactly right now? Well, I mean, I can only speak for our organization and. From what I can gather from most organizations, I, I mean, you, there's a number of components that go into watching a kid, watching a player, projecting him, um, you know, what is he going to become, watch his growth and development, but there's live views. I mean, there's nothing that is going to make up for watching as a scout, being able to go to a game and sit up top and, and watch everything about that game watch everything about how he plays, how he plays in the offensive zone, the defensive zone, you know, body language, all sorts of things. That, that's what you get from your live view. Now, there's video reviews as well. I mean, I can watch a TV game, but you, you understand that the camera's not going to be able to pick up right. as you normally could see it in, in a live view. So you're only getting uh, a chance to see him when he's around the puck or going back to get a puck if he's a defenseman. There, there are those things. So that's, that's next. Um, you know, we've got the luxury of being able, uh, there's different, um, companies that, that, uh, are able to take, uh, you know, the players, uh, games, their shifts. They pick it down. I mean, I could, I mean, I could do it at home and just watch every shift of a guy, but I mean, I, I have the beauty of being able to see, okay, you know, you want to go through, um, you know, Quinton Byfield's uh, shifts in the American uh, gold medal game. I can, boom, boom, boom. He played like 14 minutes. I can watch all like 18 of his shifts, one after another awesome. in 18 minutes. You know, like, so I'm getting I'm getting a real feel for the player. And then let's not forget we're throwing in the whole analytical department in all of this as well. I mean, they have a say. I mean, yep. like it or not, I mean, it's... Uh, they're the the group that is um, you know all part of um, you know the, the the data the data like the data doesn't lie and uh, it, it's a real interesting thing to you know try to figure out and understand but that's why you have an analytical department so there's a lot that goes into all of these players it's uh, it's way way different than it was <laughs> a long time ago yeah yeah I was just I was just gonna mention that with a you know somebody in, in the era that you played in that you know those types of departments weren't around it was you know, you just go out and kind of play hockey and a little bit of scouting and, and reporting here and there, but um, yeah. it's, it's definitely, definitely changed. Before we yeah. flip over into into your career and, and get more detailed with that, Mark, um, you know, we always want to refer back to our, our hometown here and, and these Leafs and the team that you've, you had the opportunity yep. to play for for many years. Um, do you think that the recent additions of, of Thornton and Simmons – and Brody, do you think it's enough to push this team over the edge, or do you think they're still in tough in a tough division with you know the likes of Calgary, Edmonton, um, Vancouver, Winnipeg this year? Well, I mean, obviously it's the it's the million dollar question in Southern Ontario <laughs> with, with everybody so saturated with uh, with Leaf coverage, and you know nobody's denying their you know the core of their youthfulness that are you know top shelf in the NHL. I mean. Uh, what we saw from Matthews and Marner and and uh, you know Morgan Riley. I mean, I mean, all these guys. I mean, the Leafs have got a very good team. You know, now it's you know they decided to build the team a certain way. They wanted a certain you know maybe a different philosophy from from you know what what's won the last many years. Like, and so I think they've had to make a bit of an adjustment. And those players that you mentioned, whether it's the leadership of Thornton. Whether it's bringing in some grit and sandpaper with Bogosian and Wayne Simmons, I mean, so they're trying to figure it out just as everybody else is, and uh, you know they've got this Canadian division. Everybody's saying they're going to win that North division, and and yet, you know, Montreal's improved, Ottawa's improved. Like it's not easy, yeah. um, and and so uh, it, this, I don't know if you can really. Uh, necessarily predict a shortened season and and what that's all going to mean and and how with covid um you know taxi squads all sorts of things but i think people are optimistic have they addressed it enough um i i, I wish i could answer that question for you but but uh 
you know, when you've got older players that are playing a faster game in a shorter period of time, yeah. um, you know, it's great that Joe is here, Southern Ontario boy and everything, but, um, you know, I mean, you're not Tom Brady sitting in the in the, uh, in the the pocket there That's firing right. balls to high school. It, it's just, like, he's been such a wonderful player. Are you getting the Joe Thornton of, you know, five, ten years ago? The answer is no, but you never know. You throw him on the wing, and those other two guys that he's playing with, uh, it, it might be a great formula, but... Um, Let's wait and see, but they're they're in tough. It's it's, it's such a league of of a parody that uh, was why we're fans and your fans, but but our hopes are still up if you're a Leaf fan. And, uh, but you know, I'm on the other side of the of the coast. I, <laughs> I focus on who I'm <laughs> dealing with, and my friends still today say, "I can't believe that." Like, don't you know what's going on? I said, "I know what's going on." But I, but I, I'm not got. I don't have my blue and white pom poms on. Yeah, so that's let's, it. Let's be clear about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's fair. Uh, you know, and speaking of the blue and white, I gotta I gotta put you on the spot here. Uh, talk just briefly about your your career. Were they, were they your favorite years? I mean, I grew up watching you. That was the era when I first first uh, you know really got into it with all the guys that you you had, all your teammates. Was 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 Toronto your your you know the stints that you had there? Were they your favorite years? Oh, you know what? There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, um, you know, you guys talk about growing up and being kids here in Canada and Southern Ontario and watching the blue and white. I mean, we were no different. I mean, I was born and raised here in the Toronto area and watched uh, Hockey Night in Canada and Daryl Sittler and all those guys. And, um, you know, it was a dream come true. I mean, the one team I did not want to get drafted to was the team I got drafted to. I didn't want to go to Detroit, but it was it was a perfect place for me to start my career. And and as you mentioned, uh, you know, Steph, a little bit earlier about you know some of the teams that you play on. I I got uh, you know with with most uh, NHL players, you don't spend your entire career in in one organization. And and you know, going to the Rangers uh, had five great years there, but. You know, there was nothing like playing with the Maple Leafs, and um, it was certainly a dream come true. And then uh, the Harold Ballard years were interesting, but you know, the the passion did uh, return in the early '90s, and we had a great cast of characters and Burnsy behind the bench, and and those were, you know, kind of well, we didn't get to the finals, like, but but it was. It brought and put Toronto back to respectability in a couple of years. And, and so that I'm proud of to be a part of those teams. Um, wish that we would not have lost to Gretzky and the Kings. But isn't it ironic that I'm now working for the Kings all these years later and, and yet 93 is still a, a big part of a memory that uh, that takes us back, no doubt. Yeah. Ain't that the yeah. truth? Absolutely. Yeah. Such a special year, even for for you know guys in, in my era, and I and I you know born in '84 for me, you know that's that's a that's a big memory for me, and it was a special year. And I was going to ask you about how special that '93 year was, and and you know who who the 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 team was, and what it was all about to to get to that point. Well, yeah, I mean, and it was uh, you know it was a year that I mean we all look back on, and and you never know, right, when you go into a year. I mean, some of us got traded back to the Maple Leafs. I mean, Cliff Fletcher was GM. He brought in Dougie and, and you know, Grant Freer and Anderson, these guys that have won cups before. And and then you have this, uh, you know, kind of uh, blue-collar police officer behind our bench in Pat Burns. Like, so we started that year, and we knew right off the, the bat that uh, it was going to be about bringing your lunch pail to work. I mean, Burns, he just demanded hard work. Um you know, he looked at our team, and you know the one thing that you can get out of your team is to play defense and to work hard. Like, like that stuff you can teach, and and you either have a, a work ethic or you don't. I mean, the skill stuff. I mean, every team is looking to add skill, but you know, it's it also goes into chemistry and all sorts of things. And like our expectations to to do what we did. I mean, yeah, we we learned early on that we're going to be a good competitive team. I mean, we, we, we did. I mean, I think we had like 99 points that year. So, yep. I mean, but we went up against the Red Wings who, you know, were near the top in the NHL. <laughs> and we did the unthinkable, right? Like we won in, in that game seven and 
you know, I can still remember being on that bench, seeing Nicky tip that Rob Rose pass net front. And uh, then we we're off to uh, the next round, right, with with uh, St. Louis and Curtis Joseph standing on his head. Yep, yep. And then it was on to Gretzky and that whole story of hockey in California and Bruce McNall and, and the Gretzky high stick to Gilmore in L.A. and Game 7 again. I mean, 21 games in 42 nights. I mean, it just came at us so quickly. But we also realized that this is a, a dream run that we're on. And yet, uh, you know, it was just, you know, shameful that, um, you know, Terry Grexon, uh, not Terry Grexon, I mean, um, uh, the referee, Kerry Fraser, <laughs> Terry Gre- you know, Kerry Fraser, you know, still to this day, we kind of laugh about it. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, we'll, we'll always remember the non-call on Dougie and Wayne scoring in game six and then his best game in game seven. And that was it. Our legacy is done. <laughs> well, you know what it was. A, it, it was. It's. It'll always. We'll always remember that. We'll always remember the run. We'll always remember the series. And you know, we were going to ask you. You know, who the best player you play with? But you, there's just so many from Vive and Lehman yeah. and Cardinal and Stumpy and Wendell and Dougie and. So we're going to skip that. And before we, so you know, do you have anything else, Steph? I know we, we wanted to talk to him real briefly, but go ahead. I had a one one quick question, and, and you mentioned Gretzky. And to give our listeners a little more in-depth look, because because you've played in this league, how do you? What was the game plan for him, Mark? Like what? When you guys were in the in the room, like we're all was everybody just looking at each other, going, "Okay, what do we do tonight? Like let's just try our best." Or was there a you know was there a thought process there to say, "Hey, this is what we're gonna try to do, and and let's stick with it," and you know, give well, us. You know, yeah, you know what? And, and, and believe me, like every every team, every coach, every. Um, I think strategy, you know, throughout his entire career is trying to figure out how do you kind of minimize, you know, the arguably one of the, you know, the greatest player to play. I mean, you know, we could debate on who that was, whether it was Hal or Bobby Orr, but, um, you know, what Wayne did during our generation of, you know, the points. I mean, the game was different, yep. but, you know, you can't... Um, you know, how would we describe it is that his uncanny ability and his, you know, elite hockey sense and his, he was just slippery. He was smart. He, you know, was such a great passer, his anticipation, all those kinds of things. I mean, if, if you tried to put a guy on him, you know, like it was just back then it was just different. You know, he found a way and he had a great supporting cast. Yep. But, um, you know, again, to all the great players, they find ways, you know, they find ways to produce. And, you know, in, in the history of the game, you're saying, well, why can't you just put a guy on him, right? Like, and, and you know, why can't you stop Ovechkin from doing those one-timers? Like, you know, yep. like everybody knows it. They, they try to do it, but that, that's what makes those players great. And, uh, you know, playing in a generation when, you had Lemieux and Gretzky and Iserman and Savard and Messier. And I mean, it was just, uh, those are iconic guys and, and guys that you grew up watching. And I had the good privilege of uh, playing with and against. So, um, you know, now we're on to, you know, this new generation. It's, it's McDavid, it's Matthews, it's McKinnon. And, uh, you know, the kids that grew up watching hockey today, you know, these are the guys that they're going to try to emulate as they get older. So, so, it's a, it's a great game, and we're just, you know, living the dream still, even being and working in the game. It's uh, it's been good to me. So, well, Mark, listen, we uh, we certainly appreciate your time sharing all those great memories and and, and all the knowledge. Um, before we let you go, we we always ask our, our listeners, since we're uh, we're fellow our uh, guests, our guests, or yeah. our guests, I should say, since we're yeah. uh, we're golf guys here, how is your golf game? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay, Steph. I mean, uh, you know, if you were sitting in your window there. Uh, you know, up at uh, up at Nobleton Lakes, you would have seen my swing. And, uh, <laughs> but it, but it, it it keeps us coming back, does it not? I mean, I it's a, it's such a fun game and it's a great social game, and um, you know, so we'll just leave it as a, it continues to be a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Mark, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, we hope you can uh, join us again uh, on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Yeah, no, no. No problem. You know, we'll you know call me in about six or seven weeks, and we'll find out where the Leafs are at after all of these uh, decisions that they've made. Sounds <laughs> awesome. great. Sounds great. Thanks, Mark.
Okay, boys. Take care. Take uh, care. Amazing having Mark on there. Local boy. Uh, we get to see him around uh, around the area at time, at, from time to time. Yeah, and he does play in some of those uh, golf amateur events. So don't kid yourself. He is a pretty good golfer. I know he says he's not, but he's a pretty good golfer. So. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it's good to get a behind-the-scenes look at you know some of the scouting stuff that he's doing and and then always to uh, relive those glory oh, years. Oh, man, it was so so nice. I had chills just talking, just listening to him talk about uh, Gretzky in uh, Game 7, et cetera. So let's, uh, let's continue with our breakdown. Uh, you know, um, where do you want to go? Central? Yeah, I know. Do you want to go to the Central? There's, well, there's not much happening. No, no, we'll go quick. But let's do it. Let's yeah, get Car- it. Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, Tampa. Um, I'll start. Um, Tampa, obviously, no doubt is is in my opinion, he's they're the they're the only team there. But you know who I do like is I do like the young guns, and I like the up and coming Carolina Hurricanes to be there. Maybe two, maybe three, but I think that they're going to be there. I, I other than that, I just really just that the that whole thing. You can look at the Florida uh, Panthers, yep. you know, um, Barkov. What about Dallas? And, I don't that made the special run in the bubble last year. Do you see them re you know, reliving it? Sagan's a big part of that process, and he's out until probably March. Uh, he's a big part of that. He's on yep. IR, and and you know I know he's only one guy, but Columbus I don't know. can be a tough team to play against. But obviously, we you know how can you sit here and not say that Tampa's not the class of that division? And then it's kind of throw the rest into a into a yeah. hat and see what you get out. Columbus of Columbus right? just based on their defense, the way they play there uh, with Torch, they're they're, they're going to be. There'll be a, a force there. They'll collect points just, you know, as well as any other team. Um, so they could be that third-place team or the second-place team, but no doubt it's Tampa. This next conference, or whichever we're going to call it, division, the East, is is very intriguing. I think that's this is, this is bloodbath central. These teams already don't like each other. Um, you've already got a bunch of rivalries in there from Philly to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to Washington. The New Yorks, the Rangers, um, you got the Devils in there. The, the only teams that, you know, and we know they don't fit because you, you couldn't put them all in there, but it, you just kind of got Buffalo, Boston just kind of hanging out there yeah. on their own. That yeah, just... they're going to reinquate themselves with uh, with Washington. Boston yep. to Washington, they'll get a good rivalry going. Um, Buffalo's the odd, uh, odd kind of odd out. Um, although I do like their 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 team, I, I I think maybe finally they can uh, you know put a little bit of pressure on these boys. New Jersey's going to be uh, going to be horrendous. They're going to be the bottom of the barrel. Uh, you can't you can't not um, disclude the Philadelphia Flyers. That's my team. Um, I'm going in bold, uh, deep. They make a deep run this year. Is Philadelphia? I just love all of their makeup. Um, and I think Washington's going to be there as well. I think the addition of Chara, I'm sorry, I know he's an old, old, old guy, but I think the addition of Chara uh, with those guys, whew, those capitals are going to be there and they're going to fight hard. Yeah, I, th- I think what you're going to see here is a, a little bit of a breakdown. I think you're going to see the breakdown of Boston, the Boston Bruins. I think Chara leaving, um, I just don't think this is going to be the same team. You know, it, it gets to that point and I think Boston's had its run from the New England Patriots now to the Boston Bruins. I, I just see the, that team falling apart a little bit. I also see, I think, last year in the bubble, we saw the beginning of the end of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they need to uh, kind of strip it down yep. and and rebuild it and start fresh, which kind of leaves you, you know, we know New Jersey's in a tough spot. We know the Rangers are rebuilding. Uh, Lafreniere's going to have an opportunity on that team, but can he, can he you know, bring you something? Yeah. Maybe it might be a bit too early. Yeah, you're left with that, that Philly, Washington. The Islanders, the, maybe. The Islanders, maybe. And, we, you know, we talked at our, our season ending in season one with Rod Mahood about the, the, the Sabres. And, you know, the Sabres are the Sabres. The roster looks good. But they just never seem to do it. Can and, they win? And who's who's going to be in net? Um, uh, yeah, you, you just keep ending up on Washington and Philly for that division for sure. Yeah. But good to have hockey back. Yeah, it's real good to have hockey back. I'm really looking forward to it tonight. And you know, I, I'm just going to throw it out there, and and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm not asking you for a winner, but just going to put you on the spot, and we'll uh, we'll have some laughs about it uh, at the end. Um, who, who? I mean, obviously, there's so many scenarios. Listen, with COVID, with everything going on, you're already starting to see some delays in some of these games. But um, cup prediction. I have 
Everybody laugh. I've got Toronto Maple Leafs making the Stanley Cup this year against the Philadelphia Flyers. I've marked it. I stamped it. And that's what I think is going to be. That's what's happening. Get the parade out. Get the parade out. Yeah, mark the route. You're absolutely, absolutely insane. I'm saying, I'm just saying, I, I wanted to throw it out there so that way if, 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 if this, the dreams do come true, we got it live and we got it recorded right now on the GMA podcast. I'm not even, even going to pick. <laughs> I'll, I'm, let you I'm, pick I'm, I'll let you pick I'm next week. Pick. I'm not I'll, even going to follow I'll that. I'll let up. you pick next week. You can, you can do a little bit of research on who's, where, the, where the divisions cross over. Um, that's who I got. Let's have some fun with that. I want to hear your picks next week. Now, Tampa's going back to the cup. I, I know that already, but... But let's uh, let's switch over into the be all and the end all right now of uh, everybody's talks coming off of the weekend. Our last segment and into this weekend, we had Super Wild Card Weekend. What do you think? Three games a day was it enough football for you? It was actually, um, yeah. By the time Sunday night rolled around, and you know me, I love my sport. By the time Sunday night rolled around, and just to be so disappointed in a, in a, a horrendous game, even though we called it even though that was one of our upset specials of the week. And, and you know, so cool to see Cleveland. Um, it was almost too much. It really was almost too much because you, you're not even flipping channels. It's, it's one game, and, and you're watching it all the way through. So it was uh, was challenging. But, hey, what, four of the six games the road team won? Yep. We got All we got left are sixes, fives, ones, and twos. That's it in the seedings. That's right. That's all we've got left. So um, it's going to be interesting. Um, what stood out this week for you? Because I, I got one that stood out, but what stood out this week for you? Besides your Buffalo Bills. For sure, no doubt. Um, what stood out to me, and I, I mentioned off-air this to you, was um, just the finalization of what we're going to see here in, in these last eight teams and what I'll call the young versus old. And I sent this to you and a couple of the other boys in a, in a text message. AFC. We have Lamar Jackson. We have Josh Allen. We have Patrick Mahomes. And we have Baker Mayfield. Yes, sir. Three of those quarterbacks were drafted in the 2018 draft. That is young and up-and-coming quarterbacks that are going to be here for the next 10 to 15 years. Yep. You flip over to the NFC. It's the old Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, the GOAT. The man who will never leave and torment me for my entire life. And a mixed bag of tricks in the Rams, right? And, a, and one, there's one outlier there in Jared Goff or, or Wolford there. But um, it's young versus old. And, it, and how the two conferences have, have kind of separated themselves that way. Um, it'll be interesting to see when we get down and, and, and we play this down who's left. But what you do know is, is that that Super Bowl matchup will have a young and up-and-comer, maybe Mahomes looking for a second Super Bowl, or maybe one of these new up-and-comers in Allen Jackson Mayfield looking for their first against a veteran who will have one, two, or many Super Bowls. Well, our predictions are still alive. Our Super Bowl predictions are still alive. And what I took out of it uh, this this week, and, and I know uh, I'm not trying to pick a fight, but I know it's going to start here, um, is that the Bills got really lucky. And they were, in my opinion, they were outplayed. Um, not Not immensely but they they were outplayed um mr allen who is about to sign a lucrative contract or the talks have started up um made another crucial mistake that literally should have should have ultimately cost him the game but it didn't it didn't so it wasn't it, a mistake it, it didn't it was a it was a it was lucky that they didn't but listen he played he played great he played great i thought the bills did did a, a great job but it was too scary too close for comfort um but that doesn't mean they're not going to take care of business against the Baltimore Ravens. I think they match up even better against Baltimore Ravens. I don't care. I think that they're going to go toe-to-toe with them, and I think they're going to put up points. And as long as Allen doesn't make that mistake that ultimately would have cost them, um, wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't this be crazy? And we know it's not going to happen. But that the Cleveland Browns, the year that the Buffalo Bills make the playoffs, the Browns make the playoffs. And could you imagine a Cleveland Buffalo AFC Championship? I think I think Roger Goodell would have an aneurysm. <laughs> I think he would. No, and I'm sorry to I'm sorry to say that, uh, but I think he would have an aneurysm. 
I think he would. I think it would just be billions of dollars lost. But um, yeah. back to your Josh Allen point, I'm going to throw you out a number. 121.6. You want to know what that what number was? Passer rating. Passer rating for, yep. jo- for Josh Allen. Yep. Th- that has a number one beside it on every single team that played this weekend. Yep. I think, and I'm not picking on you here, but I think that the narrative around Josh Allen is, is people are just so hypersensitive right now to the sugar high Josh for those Buffalo Bills Mafia. Yeah, absolutely. He was on the NFL. They're, they're, uh, they were talking about looking for, this is the play. This is the one we talked about. Well, that didn't happen this weekend. Yeah, he fumbled, but his team recovered. Yep. And Josh Allen also threw for 324 yards and ran for another 50. He was the reason their team won. The yeah, game. and he made a great play on. Uh, he made a great play to Knox early on that little scramble, and 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 you know you showed me it on Twitter there how it was set up and that it was a an RPO there, um, but that could have went ugly as well, right? So and again, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that the stats show, but you you have to admit that that. You know the game plan um, was there, but the Colts played damn good. And oh, yeah. you know what? You got to give uh, Rivers credit. You know what? It sounds like he's going to retire here, but you got to give him credit for sure. Um, in in the game, the rest listen. The rest of it kind of played out the way it was. You know, with the exception of Cleveland. Uh, you know, Big Ben and 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 that run was just a debacle that game. But I wanted to share something cool with you before we uh, we talk about this week's matchups. Is um, Jared Veldier. A little history in the making there. Offensive line, it's the first time in history this is going to happen. He he didn't play for most of the uh, the season, okay? And I popped this up. He signs late in December with the Indianapolis Colts. They yep. bring him up. He plays this week against our beloved Bills. And because of the COVID and the, and the new setup on way, the way it works, Green Bay just signed him due to, obviously, David Bakhtiari not going to be playing this week. And he's going to play... For the Green Bay Packers. For the Green Bay Packers. This guy's going to play two playoff games for two different teams. All this stuff is unbelievable. And I'm sorry to bounce back, but like Cleveland, they don't even know three or four of their guys on their team. You know, Baker Mayfield's introducing himself to these guys at the start of the game. So there's some cool stories coming out of this. I think it's really neat. I think there's some cool stories. Yeah, and I think one thing that we we keep coming back to is, or that I keep coming back to is the fact of, you know, I, I, and I, I got to watch how I word this, but how overhyped the importance of coaching is in the NFL. Like, th- this is football, and I get it. The, 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 the plays are called, and, and everything is done that way. And, and you know me, I'm an X's and O's guy to, mm-hmm, the, to mm-hmm. the nth degree. But guys routinely now are coming off, coming off the street bagging groceries. We didn't even mention him yet. Mm-hmm. How about how about uh, Taylor Hineke from from the Washington Football Team? Yep, yeah, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The guy actually absolutely balled out. That would have been the biggest story in the NFL. He had all to get year. permission to miss if, his exam. If, if, yes, <laughs> yeah. If he would have somehow pulled that off against Brady, yeah, right? and with a with a defensive play here or there, that could have happened. So um, these guys are athletes. They played football their whole life. They know how what they're doing. And it's football, right? So sometimes yeah. it just that coaching just gets a little bit overhyped. I know it's important, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that coaching carousel shapes up with some of the teams as well. Well, and I know you wanted to talk about that, but I, I, I just think it's absolutely, and I know we've talked about this many a times before, so we won't dive deep in it, but I'm sick and tired of the bullshit of this um you know, interviewing coaches during the playoffs. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Is there not more to life than than sport or work? Give me a break. Like, you fire your coach because you screwed up and you made a mistake and you don't like that? Well, then you've got to wait. And you wait until the season's over. Like, you know, Dabble and all these guys. I don't, I mean, I can go off with a list and I know you've got them all down there. All these guys are interviewing. Well, why is he interviewing? They're about to play their second playoff game. Like, give me a break. These teams should have to wait, and so should the coaches. I don't care about this bullshit that you're going to tell me. Oh well, you know you've got, um, you know you got training camp coming up. You got the draft. You got this. They got to get started. Like they're literally as soon as they lose their game, they're going straight to their next team. Come on, man. That's what these guys do. It's ridiculous though. Like fix the. Come on, man. I, it just doesn't make sense. No, uh, listen. It's up to it's up to the teams, right? What's wrong with Brian Dayball doing two interviews on Sunday after after the Bills have won? The, player, the players the players aren't in the in the uh, facility. I just don't There's think nothing it's going on. I'm not saying that he's going to lose focus. Okay, that's not what I'm worried about. I just don't think it's necessary. I just what I'm trying to get at is his general normal walks of life here. Like life life can't be that 
important that you you have to do this right now. It should just be, hey, when this NFL season's over, everybody, it's a week off holiday. Sorry, you, the buildings are closed. Make it mandated. It's closed. Everybody, shut, go down and go hang out with your family and actually pretend that you're a normal human being for a bit. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, these guys eat, breathe, and sleep football. Well, and that's that. why it's a fraternity, and it, you, nobody can get in. It's lock and load, right? All these same guys. Everybody, you've got your whole list here. Salah, you know, Vianney, all these guys. Uh, uh, besides Urban Meyer, who's a who's a big uh, a big name that might be coming up to the to the NFL. It, it, it's an old boys club, and and it, it's just locked and loaded. Well, let's flip over to this week's matchups. We got four big matchups on the slate. Let's start. We'll go in order of the games as they're in order on the weekend. Rams-Packers, huge matchup. Number one defense in scoring for the Rams. Number one versus the run. They're my upset pick of the week. Oh, me too. I get good. We're on the same page. I think it could be, uh, uh, sorry to one of our, our big listeners who's a diehard uh, Packers fan, but, you know, the Rams defense has all the momentum right now, and uh, if it's cold there, um, Akers had an amazing game this past week. Uh, I think the run game uh, um, could be a major factor, depending on obviously how Goff is. I just don't see Green Bay getting to getting to them, and uh, I think they can go toe to toe, blow for blow. I don't care how injured or not injured Donald is. Uh, Rogers, you better buckle up, bud. Yeah, that defensive line is is dominant, even with uh, without. Uh, Aaron Donald, or even if he's not at 100%. Yep. Three key matchups to watch. Number one, you, you just talked about it. Packers D-line against the Rams run, formidable yep. run. Is is Can these the Packers slow down um, the Rams running game? Number two, Cooper Cup and Bobby Woods against Zaire Alexander, one of the best corners in the, the NFL. Um, can the Rams get enough of a passing game generated to uh, to score enough points to keep up? Green Bay's going to get some points. They're not going to completely shut them out. Um, so the Rams got to get to that same number they got to uh, last week in that 24 mark, which is the kind of the sweet spot number in the NFL with today's uh, 2020 scoring. And then how Has could you be. not? Has to be. Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. Shen Ramsey shut him down like he did to Metcalf. If he can't, Green Bay's going to score and score upwards of 24 to 27, and I don't see the Rams getting quite to that number. Like he did to Hopkins. But if he can shut him down, green, keep Green Bay between 17 and 21, the Rams will be right in this game and got a chance to upset him. Love it. I couldn't agree more. Okay, next game, Saturday night, prime time, Buffalo Bills, Orchard Park, New York. Dutch, they're what do you think? They're still making me want to shout. They're still making me want to shout. I, I, I told you before. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sold here um, with this game. We we talked. It was scary. Um, Baltimore coming in, but um, watching the matchup, watching them play Tennessee, it was, there was one big play really, and that was Lamar Jackson's massive, massive run. run. Other than that, Tennessee contained them. You only just have to slow slow it down a little bit. The, if Buffalo can't score 30 points, 27, 30 points on this game, then I'll be a little bit scared. Listen, I know that the spread's close. I know that they're predicting it to yep. be close. And, and um, early money came in on Baltimore. But come on, let's keep this train rolling. Let's go. Let's go, Buffalo. Yep. Um, listen, this, is, uh, this isn't a surprise. Uh, this one's a strength versus strength matchup. Uh, last week, it was strength versus strength in all my matchups. This week, I got strength versus weakness. This is the only matchup that's strength versus strength. Who's the number one blitz team in the NFL? The Baltimore Ravens. Number two in man-to-man defense. Well, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills passing game showed that, number one, they can beat the blitz, and number two, they can beat man-to-man all afternoon long. Three key matchups to watch here in this matchup here, folks. Number one, can the Bills, like you said, slow that running game down? 17 against the run. First matchup, John Brown, Gabe Davis against the second corner for Baltimore. they got two good corners. So whether it's going to be Humphrey or Peters, they're going to be on John Brown or, or Gabe Davis. They're going to have to create enough plays. I think they're going to be able to slow down digs enough this week with that matchup. Number two, the Bills O-line against the Ravens D-line and linebackers in that pass rush. they just got to protect Josh long enough to be able to either open up a lane for his legs. When you play man-to-man, watch out for Josh Allen, folks, this week. And I'm not just saying this. You thought he run, ran a lot last week. He may be able to bust off a couple big, big runs here. When it's man-to-man and those corners back their turn, that's 20, 30, 40 yards of open grass. And he may take you up on it. And the special teams. Tyler Bass, underrated 
part of that win last week with a 54 and a 46 yard field goal. That's huge. You've got the best kicker in the game right now in Justin Tucker. I know he missed one last week, but watch out for the special teams either in the punt game, in the kickoff return game, or in the field goal game. And let's hope that Buffalo can win the, win the field position because they got unlucky to start that game last week against uh, the yeah, Colts. Yeah, they could never get it flipped. They couldn't get it flipped. Uh, you know, later later on in the in the game a little bit, but man, it was it was just uh, horrendous the the difference from uh, Bill's starting position for sure. All right, Chiefs and Browns. Strength versus weakness. Browns are going to want to run. Chiefs are going to want to pass. Ah, the high is over. Uh, Kansas City is going to mop the floor with them. The 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 weapons doesn't matter. Um, the the key obviously is the start of this game. You know, the first ten minutes uh, is going to be key. You know, is is Kansas City going to come out and be ready to perform? You know, with all of their guns, are they going to be able to put it up? If they put points up early, I, I'm sorry. I I know they had a great uh, game plan, uh, Stefanski and company with the Steelers. But you know, you get to play the Steelers three times a season now, or they did in in this instance. Yep. Um, Kansas City's ready to roll and. They're setting themselves up for an AFC Championship again and possibly a, another Super Bowl run. It doesn't matter to me. Chubb, Hunt, doesn't matter. May, Mayfield had a good game. Kansas City's going to take them down. Yeah, the only way I kind of see that, that they can stay in it is that, that indie type of game plan. Um, keep ahead on the chains and uh, move the sticks. And but their defense isn't good enough. They showed they showed they let Pittsburgh just walk right down the field constantly. Correct. And if if Big Ben's doing that on 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 short throws, side throws, long throws, whatever, Mahomes is going to pick them apart. And Mahomes can also run. He's going to pick them apart all day long. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that they've got a chance to upset them. I'm just yeah. saying is is there a formula for them to even just stay in the football game? And I think that's the only way that they can do it is to put together, you know, two or three drives in the first half that are you know eight plays or more. Chew up the clock, only give Mahomes two or three possessions, and maybe you're in a 21-14 or 17-10 football game at half. Are you going to win? I just don't see the Browns winning either, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And the final matchup of the weekend, third time's a charm for these guys, and that's the Bucks and the Saints. Yeah, New Orleans has owned them the first two times, but uh, I think the tide's going to turn. It's uh, it's kind of my lock of the week. I know you're going to laugh at it, but it, it's my lock of the week. I, I I think the Tampa Bay Bucks, the blueprint was what the Chicago Bears did um, this week against the New Orleans Saints. They obviously had no offense, but they shut down Breeze. They shut down Kamara as best as they could. Okay, There is no reason what, that Tampa can't go in there, play tough D. If you keep Brady up, the weapons that they have, there's no reason why Tom is not going to go around there, play off Tom, put 28 to 34 points up, steal a victory, which will pave their way ultimately to the Super Bowl, like I told you they were going to go way back when this all started. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. We know that. Um, but if anyone's going to do it, it's the Saints. They've, they've figured out the formula with Tom on how to get them rattled. They've got the D-line up front, and they're healthy. I believe they may get Trey Henderson back this week, which will be a big key for them. That's the key. That's the key to the game for me is O-line versus D-line. Um, I don't want to look at any of the other matchups. I, I just don't think the Saints are going to have enough to cover any of those guys on the outside. And Goodwin and Evans, even though he's banged up and and all these, you know, Cameron Brait shows up like it's typical Tom Brady teams. Like he just doesn't matter who's out there. He'll find it and, and get them open uh, and throw them open sometimes. So And you always bring up coaching. And 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 uh, listen, I'm I'm not I'm not knocking Peyton. You know I don't like their style. You know I don't like the way they 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 roll offense right now. Um, but you have to think Arians, as much as you know you you don't want to lose games in season, but you have to think Arians has has a reserve in the tank here for a game plan against the New Orleans Saints. Ultimately, knowing that he thought that maybe down the road he'd end up seeing them again in the playoffs. And I know it's easy to say that they're there in the matchup now, but You've got to think that Tom's got some stuff in the tank. They've got they've got some extra pieces. You know what? I don't I I don't recall, but I don't think they've seen Brown yet. Okay, um, meaning New Orleans. I I could be wrong. Maybe he played in the second I game, think but, he played in the but second that might game, have been yeah. his first game. So yeah, it was early on. Yeah, yeah. so so I, I'm interesting to see what the game plan is. I don't want to say that's my favorite uh, match. I'm really looking forward to Saturday's matchups. Um, but it'll be a good way to end. I I do think it'll be a close game. 
uh, Tom Brady's uh, marching his way to the NFC Championship, and um, it, maybe it could quite possibly be against the Rams and not those Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you never know, and you might be onto something. We didn't see a whole lot of trickery last week, so um, I think a lot of teams re- did reserve something. Dutch, I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. A lot of teams kept some stuff in the uh, in the bank, and we'll, hopefully, we'll see it this week. Yep. Well, enjoy the football, folks. Another great episode here, episode two on season two of the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Dutch, any closing thoughts? Let's go, Buffalo! Thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I forgot the... If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So welcome to Ginger and Dutch. I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.